The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is our Sunday Divisional Round Recap. I would encourage you to head on to the feed. You can check out Saturday's Divisional Round Recap, where myself and the Super Friends look at the two two games, the shocking upset from the Titans over the Ravens. Um, and, of course, the San Francisco 49ers beating down the Vikings. Analysis for those two games is in the feed. Also, because we never stop working, there's an emergency podcast. <laughs> I almost forgot what happened. It feels like 42 hours ago, but it was Kevin Stefanski hired by the Cleveland Browns. That's in the feed as well. Coming up this week, we'll have Jonathan Jones recording on Monday night. We're going to uh, do winners and losers from the coaching searches now that all the spots are filled. That'll be up Tuesday. And um, I guess we'll do a Brady Quinn football show for Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we will. Pew, pew, pew. For now, though, we got to break down these games. Oh, also, I had to skip it because I had CBS Sports HQ duties. But John Breach hosted the YouTube exclusive where we look ahead to the championship weekend lines. Only three games of football left, folks. Got to get that money or lose it. Okay, if you're following my picks in the playoffs. John Breach, how was uh, hosting? It's up on YouTube.com slash CBS Sports. I mean, everybody who listens to this podcast, it was just me taking another victory lap on Sean and Ryan. Uh, if you like hearing that type of stuff, definitely listen. Sean is making a face. Sean, I didn't want to rub your face in the fact that the Titans are going to win next week also. Uh, but little sneak peek, but I'm done talking now. Breach, you can't take a victory lap before the games are played. Already taken. I've taken three. Taken. He took him too. By the way, the best part of that, the little sneak peek, Brinson, um, Sean and I both feel like the Titans are probably not going to win that football game. It's seven and a half as we talk right now on Sunday. Uh, Breach is, Breach is doing the little baby Clay Travis thing where he's leaning into it, right? But the, here's the best thing. So I go and I say why I think the Titans are going to lose to the, to the mighty Chiefs and, 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 uh, Sean even doubles down and says that the Chiefs are even going to cover that seven and a half. And here comes Breach marching in. Very happy with himself. He goes, listen, guys, I live in Nashville. I picked the Titans against the Patriots. I picked the Titans against the Ravens. And I think the Titans, they might cover this game. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, I'm not going to say now if they're going to win. I haven't decided. (laughs) Did um, Breach, are you getting, like, are you getting heat? And I mean this in a good way. Are you getting heat for – for like picking the Titans and for being from Nashville. Cause like when the Panthers made their playoff run, you know, like I don't even like, I mean, like it's not like you're like at the state, you know, at the facility every day or, you know, even at the stadium ever. Um, but like, you know, I don't live in Charlotte, but when the Panthers made their Super Bowl run, I would be getting like, people be like, Oh, we got to get Brinson on. Cause you know, the Panthers, <laughs> I'm like, sure, whatever, man. I'll, but it was, it was good for my brand is what I'm saying. How is your brand performing relative to the Titans? renaissance here well if darren Ravel was on the podcast he would say my brand and my q rating have shot up this week 
Uh, and I would like to thank not just the Titans, but also the Baltimore Ravens, because the Baltimore Ravens singled me out on their website on Wednesday. Ooh. And 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 they do a tally up everyone's picks. And they said of 48 prognosticators that we looked at this week, 47 of them picked us to win. The only person who did not pick the Baltimore Ravens to win is John Breach of CBS Sports. So then I had Ravens fans in my Twitter feed the rest of the week. Uh, and, and, you know, my Twitter feed says I live in Nashville. So I'm being accused of being a homer. And I have to think I would have picked the Titans whether or not I lived in Nashville because I've only lived here two years. It's not uh, – I would say the only advantage I have living here is that I've probably watched the Titans play more than anyone else uh, in the national media at least because most people don't – the Titans just aren't on most people's radar. They're not a team you're watching all the time. But they were always on my local television TV, so I was always aware it was going on. I watched everything Tannehill did. Uh, so I just – I think I realized how good they were. But, yes, picking the Titans to win two straight games, and I don't really think anyone else picked them to beat the Ravens. It has helped the brand. The Breach brand is uh, aiming up. It's like the Dow Jones right now. It's up to 29000 Breach brand up to 69000 Very nice. Chiefs 51, <laughs> Texans 31. First game, what – a game. Look, we're recording this at 11 o'clock. Somehow, mercifully recording this at 11 o'clock. Those two games, I, I, I would not have thought that the day was going to end that quickly based on sort of how it started and the coaching hire and then the, the insanity of the Texans and Chiefs. I mean, what a game. What an unbelievable game. I was texting with some friends and we're like, so they, the, the second half, I believe, of the Texans Chiefs game featured I want to say 30 total points. Does that sound right to you guys? Maybe more. Let's see. That's 30. 30. 30 points even. That's a lot of points. That's a, right? We can agree that's a lot of points. It felt boring. It was the most boring 30 points I've ever seen in my life because the into the first half was the craziest ish that's ever ished. It was bananas. The, is that? Is B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Thank you, Ryan. Sean gave you a discerning look for craziest ish that ever ished. It was the Not Texans. Not so sure about that one. The Texans, I just can't swear. I don't feel like making Debo bleep stuff out. The Texans jumped out to a 24 to nothing lead. They were beating the, the Chiefs 24 to nothing in Arrowhead with 10.58 remaining in the second quarter. And they went into halftime trailing 28 to 24. All, all hail. Patrick Mahomes, as the Texans became, the Chiefs became the first team in NFL postseason history to trail by 20 points in a game and win a game by 20 points anyway. Um, it, Sean, I think a lot of people want to make this about Bill O'Brien and the Texans gagging. To me, it's about the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot made of Bill O'Brien's decision, uh, to kick a field goal on fourth and inches at the 13 yard line to go up 24 nothing. And then there was a lot of, you know, head scratching about his decision to run a fake punt on the next drive that the Chiefs snuffed out with a beautiful tackle. Uh, the fact of the matter is that those two plays actually don't really matter when you're giving up 51 points. Like I just like the Texans were never in my mind going to score 50 points on the Chiefs defense. And what you were saying is that there were 30 points scored in that second half and it was still boring. The reason it felt boring is this was the most insane thing is that the Chiefs were down 24 nothing. And I swear when they scored the second touchdown to make it 24-14, every single person in the world was like, the Chiefs are winning this game by double digits. Sorry to interrupt you because I was just reading through our Slack conversations as this was happening live. 
So at 4.05, um, it was 24. I said, by the way, this is going to be a long two and a half hours for the Texans fans. It's 24 nothing at this point. That's an ass whooping. But as soon as the Chiefs score, you know there's always a chance. For instance, at right, when it's 24-21, all of a sudden you're rethinking everything. And the game's still 24 nothing at this point. Then it becomes 24-14. And I go game. And then Sean writes, Chiefs by 21. When it's 24-14, and Brinson goes at 4-15, when it's 24-14, Chiefs might be leading at halftime. <laughs> we weren't wrong. And, and the Chiefs won by 20 would have been 21 if Bucker doesn't miss an extra point, yeah. by the way. Uh, uh, well, well, the reason- I was going to point out, of the, so, I don't, I don't, I don't totally agree with you on the two, so, I don't totally agree with you on the idea that the, the two decisions by Bill O'Brien did matter. I think if they had, Gone for the fourth down. I think they should have gone for the fourth down up 21 nothing. And I understand why he kicked it. And I understand that it's, you can, you can go both ways on it. You want to put the points on the board. You got a 24 nothing lead. If I'm looking at the Chiefs and I know what I've seen from Patrick Mahomes, like what was it week two or something like that where they threw up 28 points against the Raiders in one quarter? You know what they can do. You know what your defense is. No, I, I agree. I think they were, I think the not kicking, kicking the field goal, I think was a horrible decision. I'm not, Excuse that. And I actually don't mind the fake punt, to be honest, because right. as Phil O'Brien said after the game, I knew we had to get the 50 to beat, yeah. beat them. It's, it's the inconsistency in those decisions. He should have right. went for that fourth and in inches, too. Well, and that's what I would say is that in, in a vacuum, I like the fake punt and I don't like the field goal. But when you combine it together, it didn't make any sense because I felt like he kicked the field goal because he didn't want to give the Chiefs the momentum swing of uh, possibly making a huge fourth and one stop because all of a sudden the Chiefs are like, oh, we stopped them. Their offense gets on the field, probably goes down and scores. That's huge. So he's saying, let's take the points. Let's not risk the momentum swing. And then you move to the the, the fake punt, which is the exact opposite logic where, hey, if we don't get this, uh, they get the ball at the 30-yard line, and they're probably going to score no matter what. Uh, so it didn't. It didn't feel like he was working with the same part of his brain when he was making these decisions, but that's Bill O'Brien, so maybe we shouldn't be surprised. And the other thing about the fake punt, too, um, so I think on the fourth down, they go out there, and they're about to go for it, and then he calls a timeout, and he's like, no, we're going to kick. And then on the fake punt, they went out there, and they were, like, hesitating and hesitating. If they'd snapped it right away, it's a first down. And look, all credit in the world to Daniel Sorensen, because that's a really hard open field tackle to make. And he got all over the guy, locked him down, and put it in it like the second that you, you saw him tackle him. And I think the cameras, their CBS cameras are not all over it. Like they're like, ah! like fly. It was from behind, so you couldn't see if he yeah. was getting to the, the right. Line you couldn't game. tell if he was getting the, the line to gain. But like as soon as you realize he was down, you're like, now it's 24 14. Like it is, it is 24 14. Well, Good day, sir. This is, but, well, I, I just want to point out that. Of the 24 points that the Chiefs that the Texans scored in the in the first, I guess, uh, 19 minutes of the game, so the first touchdown came on their opening drive, and I believe it was a 54-yard touchdown pass from Deshaun Watson to Kenny Stills, beautifully, beautifully designed by Bill O'Brien. What they did, they had third and like five, I think, third and four. Third and one, I think. Was it third and one? It was third and short for sure. Okay, all right. Um, I was thinking that it was, uh, third and one at, third and one at the 46. Okay. Sorry. Even better. Third and one at the, third and one at the 46. They did a fake screen. And what happened was, if you watch it, they played to Tyron Matthews aggressiveness, knowing that the Texans were trying to dink and dunk and eat up clock. Honey Badger comes flying in. It leaves Kenny Stills wide open. It's a beautiful call. Great call. They also, the first play of the game was a screen on that exact same alignment. So they yep. baited on that completely. For sure. Yeah, it was, it was a great play. So, like, no, I'm not taking away from that. But, like, you know, that's just a good chess move. The second touchdown came 
after Patrick Mahomes threw it to Travis Kelsey, Kelsey on third and seven is, I mean, there's no excuse for dropping it, and he drops it. The next play is a block punt to the house. Texans are up 14 nothing. Um, for whatever reason, Andy Reid sort of panicked there a little bit, and he put Tyreek Hill back to return punts. He's only he, a great punt returner. He's done it a lot in his career. Only has one this year. He muffs the punt. Texas score two plays later or three plays later to Darren Fells on a touchdown pass. It is 21 nothing. And that was when it was like, oh, oh my, like, like what is happening here? And I just want to throw in that, remember, the last game we all watched was Titans Ravens. So it kind yes. of felt like, oh my God, is this actually going to happen? And it wasn't even these plays. It was also that the Chiefs dropped five passes. In the first, uh, what, five minutes? Cause five like, yeah. of his first ten passes were dropped. And, 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 and Breach, to add on to your similarity point here, Tyreek Hill took a huge shot on like a play down the field, and it was like, oh, my God, this is the exact same game. Like this is happening over and over again. Right. It's, uh, Tyreek's out now. All of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes is missing this huge weapon. The Titans free up a defender because they have been double-teaming him for most of the game. So now you have another defender on the field. And, and the other part is like that blocked punt for a touchdown – that doesn't happen if Travis Kelsey catches that ball in third and six. It hit him right in the hands. They get a first down. They keep moving. He dropped it. All of a sudden, you're punting. The punt gets blocked. And I think, what, three or four of the five drops came on third down? So it was just like, oh, my God, the Chiefs are choking. That's what it felt like up to where you got it to 21 nothing, Brinson. And then, you know, we, we kind of talked about how the field goal and O'Brien decisions. But at 21 nothing, it just felt like, this is a classic Andy Reid Chiefs game where everything that could go wrong can go wrong. He should change his name to Andy Murphy because it's Murphy's Law. This is just Chiefs football is Murphy's Law in the playoffs. But then it didn't, and they switched everything. Did you you were putting your hand up, Sean, on the Tyree Kill thing? Did you feel like? Oh no no no! I was going to point out that their drive ended again because of a drop on third down. Yeah, from Demarcus Robinson. And then Andy Reid punted on fourth and four, fourth and five around like the 45 yard line, I believe. Uh, and that they were already down 14, nothing at the time. And it was like, why are you punting the ball back? It's going to take the Texans three plays to get down there. And it took them four plays to get down there. And then they got to stop punted. And then Tyreek Hill muffs it. So, said, so uh, Ryan, the, the chiefs finished, <laughs> this is kind of hilarious. Do you know what the, without looking, if you're not looking, do you know what the chiefs finished on third down? Oh no, I know they scored seven straight touchdowns. What did they finish on third down? Two of eight. They just never had to deal with third down. Never again. Got third the down. The they were seven of eight in the red zone and two of eight uh, on third down. That's I, I don't know that I've see, seen that. Like, No, that's crazy. I will say to follow up what Breach was talking about in terms of how it looked, felt sort of like the Titans-Ravens game, at no point did I feel like um, the Titans were in, in sort of trouble of having the Ravens get red hot like ultimately the Chiefs did. And we, like I just read our sort of conversations, our text conversations, when it was 21 to, to nothing or 24 nothing, you knew that the Texans knew that this was going to be a very long game, even with 45 minutes to go and a 24 point lead. And you knew that Bill O'Brien was going to do something that left you wondering what, what's he doing? Um, I had no issue at all with the fake punt. As you point out, Brinson and Romo said this like 15 times. If you run the fake punt quickly, you get it because Sorensen had to make a shoestring tackle. That was probably the best tackle of his life. He is, he's fantastic timing. I don't know why you, I do know why you go for, uh, why you kick it on fourth and one, but in retrospect, that's, that's well, not a smart idea. He said that he wanted, this is what he said after the game, paraphrasing. He wanted to go for it. He just didn't have a play for it. Which makes absolutely no sense. He didn't. Don't say he, that out loud. He didn't have a fourth and inches play ready to go like the whole week. I so mean, definitely because they because they were lined up to go for it before they called timeout and something changed and he said he didn't have a play he liked. 
Okay. Well, I, I appreciate his honesty, but that's a, that's a, that's terrible coaching. I mean, that's, that's yes. at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to because you're up 31 nothing and, you know, you still lose by 20 or whatever. <laughs> but the point is, I mean, it changes things. It changes things a lot because then, you know, we talk about the muff pump by Terry Kill. Then the other end, after the, the Chiefs start getting red hot, uh, the Texans muff a punt. I think it was Carter. What are you doing? Or is it the kick return, whatever it was? He yeah, DeAndre Carter, I think. Sorensen again. When Carter, when Carter muffed, when DeAndre Carter muffed that, that was the, this is, this is, they're winning by 20. Yeah. By the way, here's Patrick Mahomes on facing that massive deficit that they had to deal with. Yeah. I mean, obviously we didn't want to be in that, in that spot, but the biggest thing that I, I think I was preaching to the team was let's go do something special. Uh, let's go do something special. Everybody's already counting us out. Uh, let's just go play by play and just put our best effort out there. And, uh, I mean, obviously I knew our, uh, as a team, we had to kind of everything had to go the right way, but I thought the defense stepped up, special team stepped up o- offensively. We started making the plays we weren't making and, uh, play by play. We just chipped away at that lead and then, and, and got the half and, and came out the second half and kept firing. I'll say this too, like with the Chiefs versus the Ravens, I felt like the Ravens could come back, but the Titans had such a better game plan for how to handle the Ravens. And the, the Ravens are not the same team as the Chiefs. They just aren't. Like, and that's why it, as good as Lamar Jackson is and as good as high, as big as his upside is, if you're, if you're starting a team, you're taking Patrick Mahomes, especially if you compare him with Andy Reid and, those weapons because they did that effort effortlessly. And look, the Titans are a much better defense, I think, than what the Texans are. And they had a much better game plan for the Ravens. I don't know. Like, do you think that the, if the, if the, if the situation was similar and it was the Titans versus the Chiefs and the Texans versus the Ravens, could the Ravens have come back and could the Chiefs, have, I think the Chiefs could have come well, back. I'll say this about just cause we were talking about. How once it was 24 nothing, then 24 at 24 seven, we all thought the Chiefs were coming back to win this game. And I was worried about the Titans on Saturday night until they scored the third quarter and put it up 21 to six. Cause at that point, you had a good feel for like, for what the Ravens could do against them. And in my head, I was like, 21 six is a win. This Raven, the Ravens can't move the ball, or if they, you know, they're just, they don't have it. The, the Titans had a good game plan. And at no point did you feel that about the Texans because it felt like a lot of the Texans, what they did was luck, like a, a yeah. punt block for a touchdown. I mean, yes, there's obviously skill and ball, but that's a lot of luck there. A muffed punt by Tyree Kill, that's luck. You know, you didn't control Tyreek dropping the fumble. So that's two touchdowns that they got kind of out of pure luck. And so it didn't really feel like that they were destroying the the Chiefs, even though they had gotten up 24 nothing. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, I was going to say, too, like, the Titans had a very firm game plan in place. Like they were going to, they were able to clog up the middle and stop the run. And they were able to force Lamar Jackson to throw outside. Well, if you force Patrick Mahomes to throw outside, he's just going to complete passes outside. Like that's, you know, you know what else he might do? Lead the team in rushing. Yeah. <laughs> seven, seven rushes, 53 yards. They had, after they had pulled off the comeback, cause I know this cause I had, um, I did this like weird parlay with Mahomes. It should have hit. It was really brutal. It was Mahomes, listen, it was Mahomes over passing yards, which hit easily. Deshaun Watson over passing yards, which hit. Damian Williams carries, which was, I needed over 12 and a half. He finished uh, with 12. Oh, and Damian man. Williams rushing yards over 56 and a half. He finished with 47. Like it, it, it was like, it was like five to one, but I mean, like it definitely, it definitely should have hit. But the, I, I was stunned because I looked down when Damian Williams scored that first rushing touchdown and he had, um, I think it's like, 
eight carries for two yards and one rushing touchdown. It was a very bizarre line. And that's the thing with Kansas City is different is they can't abandon the run and pass all over you. And that's when they're at their best. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to make the argument that like, oh, the Chiefs being down 24 nothing was a good thing. But in a weird way, it kind of yeah. just forced Andy Reid to be incredibly aggressive and be like, we're not going to hand the ball off to Damian Williams on first and 10. We're just going to throw the ball. And the only times to your credit, the reason. The reason why Damian Williams had that stat line is the only time he carried the ball is when they Mahomes got them to the one yard line, and then it made sense to run the ball. To, to just put into perspective how fast this game flipped, the Chiefs scored three straight touchdowns in the second quarter in three minutes and thirty four seconds of game time. They only needed eight plays and eighty one yards, in part because for as bad as their special teams were in that first quarter, uh, the game kind of changed after the Texans uh, settled for that field goal to go up twenty four nothing. Hardman ripped off a huge return, and that for me, what kind of felt like also like a turning point. It's like okay, like now, like it seems like they've settled. Now you're seeing their playmakers actually do what we see them do all season, and I think it took them like three plays, two of them to Kelsey for them to get into the end zone. I think Andy Reid actually agrees with you. Uh, these are things that we haven't done. I mean, that's not us, right? So um, it was just a matter of settling it down and kind of common. Calming the storm and making sure that our guys, um, uh, you know, knocked whatever rust or whatever off and calmed down and made plays, you know. So uh, we've been doing that all year, and it was important that we got back to doing that. So we had drop balls and a couple missed tackles and then drop on the punt return. So we had the block, you know, on the on the kicks, on the punt there, so for a score. So, I mean, these are things that we, that's not us. And it was just a matter of everybody kind of settling down and, you know, getting it right. So we did that. And, and he went on to add, like, you know, McCole Hardman had that big return. And, like, you could tell it sparked him, too. And then McCole Hardman had the return. They get the touchdown. They flipped it. I mean, Deshaun Watson cut it to 10 in the second half. It didn't feel like it. No. Well, to, re- to Reed's credit, he kept throwing. But see, that's the thing about being down 24 nothing. Like, I don't think he kept, st- I don't think that drive after Deshaun Watson cut it to 10 happened with uh, 24, 24 seconds, left. seconds left in the third quarter. Yeah, it was a four minute, 15 second, nine play, 75 yard, five first down drive. And they almost had him stopped and then he hit, uh, Will, F- I think it was Will Fuller. Was it Kenny Stills or one of the receivers down the, down the left side of the, the um, field for a big gain sets him up. They get the touchdown. And at that point, like up 10 with a quarter to go, I feel like Andy Reed, if he hadn't been down 24, nothing probably would have tried to eat up clock. Cause that's just what Andy Reed does. And he believes he can march methodically. He said, no, thank you. And he took a four play 72 yard, one minute and 32 second drive to go back up 17, which was a very like, this has been that was cute. That was cute. This is officially over, and that's what it felt like. I feel yeah. like Ryan Schottenheimer had been coaching this Chiefs team. They would have continued to run the ball down twenty-four nothing, and they would have they would have lost fifty-one to nothing. And I think uh, I will talk about it in a little bit, but I think that's sort of what probably angers fans who aren't Chiefs fans in this playoffs, and they lost because. Yeah, Andy Reid's going to – the funny thing is before the game, Bill Cowher sat down with Andy Reid and was sort of talking to him about beating the playoffs and what it means and how he can win. And he showed him a card of the, four, the last four games, three losses and one win. The one win, he ran the ball a bunch of times. And Bill's like, look, man, just run the ball and you'll win this game. And I think as you point out, the 24 nothing 
helped Andy Reid not even have to think about that uh, as, as a possibility in terms of strategy. Air it out. When you were with Patrick Mahomes and he's healthy, by the way, I was like, dude, quit running because I'm afraid your kneecap's going to fly off. But when you have Patrick Mahomes out there, every play is basically a running play because he can throw sidearm uh, in the flat and the running back can gain five yards or the tight end can gain five yards and you're still moving the ball. You're not running into the middle of the, of the field, into the a pile of humanity, and, and it's been much more efficient. That's not to say what Derrick Henry does is not important for what the Titans do. It's just that for Andy Reid's offense with Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't make sense necessarily to run the ball 25 times just because you want to run the ball 25 times. So um, Patrick Mahomes had an expected is – is expected completion percentage, is that – if it's negative, do we put that on the receivers or on the quarterback? On the quarterback. It's on the quarterback. So his actually completion percentage was lower than his expected completion percentage, which is a little bit surprising. Um, that's what Next Gen Stats has, it, has him at 71. Um, maybe it is on the uh, – everyone always references it as a quarterback stat. No, if, stat. if his completion percentage was lower than his expected, his expected would have been what if, if all his receivers would have caught their passes. Yeah, right? Yes. Yeah, what like was his, his expected completion percentage was 71.2. What was his actual completion percentage? 65.7. Yeah, so he had a better game. He, he, right, was, right, right, he was plus six. Yeah, yeah. He, he should five, have had five five and a half percent more a greater completion percentage, like if his receivers had caught the ball. And like I don't know. I, I, I think look, the Chiefs had the best possible pass. I mean that was the that was the true like horror of all of this is that the Chiefs going into this game, you know, this is the first game on Sunday, right? We knew the Ravens had been eliminated. The Titans are waiting on one side and the 49ers or the Packers slash Seahawks, as it turns out, it's the Packers. 49ers or Packers are waiting in the Super Bowl if they can get past the Titans. Andy Reid is the is what Phil Mickelson was until he won his first major. He's the best coach without a Super Bowl probably in NFL history. He's he's Dan Marino right now of coaching. And he's always had to operate like he's – I mean, somebody – like the NFC The NFC was always good. You know, it was a tough, tough run when he was there on that side. Like they had good coaching all around. And – um Bill Belichick exists. So that's sort of a problem to win the Super Bowl, right? And it's been a problem for the Chiefs in the, in the AFC. And he finally got the, the, no pun intended, Red Seas parted for him here. And it felt like he was giving it all away. And I feel like that's a big plus to come back from that looking and be like, you know what? F it. Like we're going to go and just play our ball. I didn't feel like he was, other than the Tariq Hill punt return thing, which you mentioned, I don't feel like he panicked. Because this is sort of what happened a few years ago in the season opener in Gillette Stadium when they got down. Kareem Hunt, I think, fumbled on his very first carry. He never fumbled in college. And they methodically came back. And that was without Smith, I believe. I don't think Patrick Mahomes was playing at that point. And they whooped the, the, the Patriots in Gillette Stadium in week one. And, and I feel like Andy Reid's seen everything. And he hasn't seen 24 nothing. But I, I think he felt like, okay, that's Bill O'Brien over there. That's not Bill Belichick. So that's strike one in my favor. And, you know, I have Patrick Mahomes. He's not bad. And it worked itself out much quicker than I think anyone imagined. Uh, certainly Bill O'Brien and probably Andy Reid. But um, 24 nothing, as, I, as we've been sort of saying, it didn't feel insurmountable in the same way had the Titans been up 24 nothing. You sort of felt like the Ravens, the way they were playing, weren't gonna come, well, they weren't going to come back. So um, I give Andy Reid credit for not overreacting. And a lot of times you see coaches sort of just crap their pants. And I don't think Bill O'Brien crapped his pants. I mean, the, what Sean mentioned is not knowing the – Like, the, not literally. <laughs> right. Well, not knowing know about the play that. in fourth and one, that's a problem. But in general, I thought 
he's coached worse games. But um, yeah, credit to Andy Reid for for not you know melting okay. down. So let's cover the conference championship because it's it's Chiefs at Titans. It is not um, and I, like I, I was a little wary of like joking about what our bosses bosses want on Twitter because you don't want like somebody to be like oh, you know You're like but it was like. If we're veering towards Texans Titans and you're like, you can just imagine the scene in like a CBS, like a CBS executive office where it's like, like we thought we were getting Lamar Mahomes and, and like this, look, Deshaun Watson is awesome and Derrick Henry's a superstar and that's an Alabama Clemson thing and Ryan Tannehill is an incredible story. It's, but, but like, I mean, on a, like relative to Mahomes and Lamar, getting that is a, is a full blown disaster, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, mean, I think we can all say that. It, it felt like that was happening. Now, instead, we have Titans and Chiefs. I don't think those markets are enormous, and it's not as good as Baltimore versus versus Kansas City. But I still think it's a pretty compelling matchup, mainly because of what went down with the Titans taking down the Ravens and then the Chiefs looking vulnerable before putting on this incredible show that, like, you just couldn't miss. So how do how does this look, Breach? How does this game kick off um, – the Chiefs are seven and a half, seven point favorites. It, I think that it opened up at like nine and a half and just got smashed down to seven, bumped back up to seven and a half. The over under was 51 and is now 52. What do you think about this game and, and sort of how it plays out and, and, and who, where your advantage is built in for this? How are you going to talk yourself into picking the Titans is what I'm saying. That's a great question, Brinson. But I, real quick on what you said about the over, like TV matchup from that perspective is that there's been so much domination. It's been so one-sided in the AFC for so long with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger that I do think the intriguing part here is that you never get a scrappy underdog out of the AFC. You don't have the sixth seed running through. Uh, you know, I know the Steelers did it in 2005, but that's it. You know, that's 14 years ago. So I think people will be inclined to watch us because you have the, the Titans who are a curiosity, and then you have the Chiefs who are Patrick Mahomes. So I do think people, this is definitely better than, than Texans, Titans, and probably not as good as Chiefs, Ravens, as you said. But here is, I think a lot of people also don't know, is that these two teams played earlier this season, and the Titans won. One of the craziest games all year, because look, you look at the box score. If you told someone that Patrick Mahomes threw for 446 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, you would assume the Chiefs probably won that game. Uh, I'm thinking, and yet this was back in, I think, week 10. The Titans won 35-32, to 32. and here's what happened. was Derrick Henry ran wild. He ran for 188 yards and two touchdowns in that game. No one will be surprised if that happens in the AFC Championship game. And then I know we've talked a lot about, well, what if you kind of slow Henry down? Ryan Tannehill's got to do something, and Ryan Tannehill did do something in that game. He threw 181 yards and two touchdowns, and I think we – all remembered because we talked about it was his game-winning drive uh the the four play 61 yard drive with under a minute 20 left where the titans were trailing 32 27 they had to get a touchdown they couldn't even get a field goal he drove them straight down kansas city's throat got that game-winning touchdown uh and then mahomes took him back set him up for a field goal but then that got blocked so these teams literally went toe-to-toe with their best foot forward in that game so i mentioned mahomes numbers Tyreek Hill caught 11 passes for 157 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, seven passes, 75 yards and a touchdown. Like every offensive player you would expect put up huge numbers in this that game. There was no defense. I kind of expect that, and I know a lot of people think that, hey, if, if the Chiefs put up 30 or 40 points, the Titans don't have a chance. I don't think that. I think they can go toe-to-toe with them. So I think it's going to be a close game, and I'm, I was surprised that the point spread – 
was seven points, but that Titans win was in Nashville, and obviously this game is in Kansas City. Um, Brenton, why don't you tell us, because you weren't on the YouTube exclusive, you were big time in us, what, where you sit on the <laughs> seven and a half? I was um, doing the uh, CBS Sports HQ thing. Sorry, my dog has awoken from his slumber on the couch, and he's trying to decide if he wants to harass me to get on the bed or not up here. Um, the uh, I lean towards it. I can't fade the Chiefs. I mean, I think I probably like the – here's the thing. I mentioned how the Ravens game played out, uh, and I hope people listen to me because I didn't listen to me, and I lost a bunch of money on the Ravens. Um, when I should have been hammering the Titans once they got up big. I think that the difference between the Titans and the Texans is that if the Titans were up 24 nothing on the Chiefs, the Titans could impose their will physically in the run game with Derrick Henry. Um, now, the difference, a huge difference, is that Chris Jones should be back next week. He, he was hurting like the last five minutes of their final practice. That was a major factor, I think, in what. Do we know that? It's a calf injury. Do we know he's going to be back? No, we don't know, but I would assume an extra week of rest to be able to give it a go out there. I think he was pretty close and was sort of a surprise inactive. James Palmer of the NFL Network reported it like the last minute. So I, w- I would guess he'll be out there. If, if he does, that's a huge help to their defensive line, and that would be a big benefit against Derrick Henry. Um, if the Chiefs come out and come out hot and put up points against the Titans' defense in the first quarter, it's over. They will win by 24-plus points because – I think the Titans are good. I, I really do. I think Ryan Tannehill has played awesome. I think Derrick Henry is a special running back. Um, their defense is good enough to stop Lamar Jackson. I don't think it's good enough to slow down the weapons that the Chiefs have. And so to me, a lot hinges on who wins that first quarter in terms of that seven and a half point spread. The problem is like, this is the same thing with the Texans game. I was texting with some people. I was like, I, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to miss, if the Chiefs come out and score on their first drive, I don't want to miss out on the nine and a half. Because it's going to go to 15 immediately if they score. Um, Did you get in on the action when it was plus six and a half? No, I had put so much down when it was minus four and a half and minus one and a half that I was getting a little scared, honestly. (laughs) Um, Well, the the Texans scored once. I was like, hammer. Don't make none. That's what they say. Uh, Then the Texans scored again. I was like, hammer. Then it was like the Texans scored three times. I was like, okay, maybe we should just, like, because of the Ravens game, I was like, maybe just take a breath. Maybe just deactivate this live betting thing and hold on for a second. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I just think that it, a lot depends on how it starts. Just like we're Can I ask a question to all three of you? Cause yeah. I know John, Johnny Nashville, as I called him on the YouTube exclusive. What happens if Derrick Henry is tired? I mean, he, he might be like worn out. I mean, it's week 19 or 20, wherever we're on. He just ran for 4 million yards the last two weeks. He had to play every snap of every of both those wins, and, and understandably so. If he's tired or he needs to break or he's not 100% and you're leading, leaning on Deion Lewis, that's a terrible plan B. Uh, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, and not to take anything away from him, we, we, we do talk him up, but we, we do sort of consider him uh, you know, second-class citizen to, to Derrick Henry. But is there any concerns that Derrick Henry won't be 100% that he might be you know, physically exhausted from putting this team on his back for two weeks? No. I would say that since uh, – so for the past eight games, he has gotten – I mean, he's been their bell cow all season, but the past eight games, he's gone over 100 – he's been averaging like 160, 170 yards, and they just keep feeding him. So you think if that was going to happen, we would have seen a little bit of it against the Ravens because you're playing the Patriots defense. They hit hard. He took a lot of hits against New England. That was a game where he got 34 carries, and he was coming off a Week 17 game against the Texans where he got 32 carries. 
Uh, so he got beat up, but don't forget that he did sit out that week 16 game against the Saints. So he got a two week break. He got his own little personal buy because he was dealing with a nagging injury. Uh, so, you know, he came into week 17, the wild card and divisional round fresh. So I, th- and he's gotten 30 carries or more in all of those games. So I don't think the Titans are worried about that. And Derek Henry's 26. He seems like, you know, if he's 30, I'm worried about that, but I don't think that will be an issue. But if he gets injured, that's different. That's a problem. So, by the way, Sean, I'm curious your thoughts, but I want to point out that for the first time since 2002, we will have a new AFC Super Bowl quarterback. Brady, yeah. Brady, yeah. Ben, Peyton, Brady, Ben, Peyton, Peyton, Brady, Flacco, slash Montana, Peyton, Brady, Peyton, Brady, Brady, Brady. I think that coming into the playoffs, we probably – most of us would have predicted that was going to be the case. We probably thought it was either going to be Lamar or Mahomes and not Tannehill or Mahomes. Um, look, I, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game in cover. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Tannehill, who, look, I ranked him as the fifth best quarterback coming into the playoffs. And I, he had an incredible regular season. You can just run down every single statistical category, whether it's yards per attempt, completion percentage, passer rating. Uh, he was incredible. I think he had like the best statistical season in terms of efficiency since Joe Montana. Uh, but there's a big difference between the fifth best quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. Um, and I think they're obviously in different stratosphere. I don't think anyone here would disagree with that. The Chiefs defense has been bad against the run all year. I will note that since they played the Titans, which was in week 10, they have been a lot better against the run. And I know total yards against can be very deceiving. A lot of that's just dictated if you're winning the game, the other team's not going to be running the ball. But here's their yardage by week that they've allowed on the ground, 93, 122, 94, 52, 101, 108. And then the Texans did not run the ball very well, 94 yards. Again, a lot of that is the reason they're winning. But that's what I—that's precisely the reason why I think the Chiefs are going to win this game by more than seven and a half points is because I think they are going to get off to a big lead. I think if you look at what they did against the Texans, the Texans didn't do anything to stop the Chiefs. It was entirely the Chiefs were stopping themselves, and I think a lot of that seemed like it was just jitters with all those drop passes. I don't think you're going to see that again uh, against now that you know the rust has been knocked off and uh, they came out on fire in the second half in the second quarter. And so I think they're going to get up big, and the strength of this Chiefs defense is against the pass. So, and I love what Tannehill's done. I just don't think keeping up with Mahomes is a different ball game than doing what he's done for all of the season. Again, that's not to take anything away from what the Titans have done. I think you're right, Brenton. If for some reason the Titans do get off to a lead at the end of the first quarter, I still think the Chiefs can win, um, but I, I wouldn't pick them to cover. Um, but I just think, assuming the Chiefs don't melt down uh, with drop passes and dumb mistakes on special teams, which they haven't done all season long, as as Reed noted. They were the best special teams, I think, by DVOA. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, they were the number one special teams unit in the uh, in the league. Do you, um, I don't know, did you guys get a chance to listen to Bill O'Brien at all? Because uh, he asked, he was, he was sort of like, I don't know if you watched his press conference, I was watching it on HQ. I've never seen anyone give less of a crap about the fact that he gave up 51 points in a playoff game. It's like, eh, yeah, you know, I mean, like, what are you, what are you gonna Like, it, like, he, it's the, the voice of a man who, frankly, is his own boss. You say, it's on you, you have to coach better. Is, is a loss like this, giving up 51 points, being outscored 51 to 7, is that on coaching? Is that on you? Yeah, I think, I think we gotta, we definitely have to coach better. Yep. We didn't, we didn't do enough, uh, to put our guys in good, good enough positions to make plays. We gotta, we definitely have to do a better job of coaching. 
I mean, like it was, I don't, I mean, it's, it's weird to see. Like, I don't, I don't, again, I don't blame him a whole lot for that. You just you lost the Chiefs, 51 points. What are you going to do? What do you think, Ryan, about the Texans' outlook moving forward? I will quote to you a tweet from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, who put this, who's a very mild mannered reporter. He's been in ESPN for a while. He used to cover the Steelers before that, the Browns. Here's what he tweeted. Good thing the Texans had, uh, excuse me. Good thing the Texans can improve that defense with their next first round draft pick in 2022. <laughs> so the Laramie Tunzel trade, they, they give up two first round picks for that. That's what they're alluding to there. The offensive line was better. I'll give them that, but Deshaun Watson still holds the ball too long. That is the fix of defense, as Jeremy tweeted about, and that was a huge issue. Um, yes, there were injuries, but at this point, everyone's injured on every team. So you're, you're playing with the depth that you've created by building your roster. As you mentioned, Brinson, the coach of the Texans is also the general manager, and I think he still has a few more years left in this deal. And now his job gets infinitely more difficult because not only is he the head coach, he is the general manager. He's got to deal with free agents. He's got to deal with contracts. He's got to deal with the draft. And he's got to do all that while trying to figure out how to fix this team and make them um, able to compete for 60 minutes against the Chiefs. I don't think anyone would say that they had a bad season. I think they had a really good season, all things considered. But at the end of the day, they have a lot of things to fix, and they don't have a lot of ways to fix them. That sounds like a pessimistic take, Ryan. What's your take, Johnny? I agree. Okay. What do you think? I, I, well, they're in the, I think the Titans are now gonna. If Tannehill's gonna stay there and Derrick Henry uh, can sustain thirty carries Maybe a game play. for the next two years, they'll be good. And uh, the Colts <laughs> sign. Are you are you personally offended that I keep joking, Baby Clay? I'll I'll stop if you're personally offended. What you don't think the Titans are gonna run that division for the next two or three years? But and then you, well, let me finish, Brent, and then you could have the Colts go out and sign yeah. Philip Rivers or Tom Brady. Well, they're the only division team left from that division in the playoffs, uh, which Please. is all that matters. Because winning your division doesn't matter if you win the Super Bowl. You don't have to win your division to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, but you don't run that division if you don't win the division. And Breach, well, what what is it with you and Jacoby Brissett? I still don't understand why you consider him a non-person. That's me. That's I me. just. I just think that the Colts could find a better quarterback, and there's a lot yes. of them available this year. That yes. is my take, and I yes. think so. I think if the Colts add a better quarterback, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. And I don't know about Jacksonville, so I think you could look at a, a spot where Houston is possibly. Ryan, you just you just summed up all the Houston Texans problems, and I'm saying they might be the third best team in that division next year. Let, let me ask you guys this question: When do you think the Texans' first pick in the upcoming draft is? What number overall pick would you guess? Seventy-four. No, it's going to be lower than that. Maybe like 83. Ryan? Yeah, I was going to say like between 83 and 100. Never. It's actually 58. But they have one. They only have one pick in the top 100 at 58. Yeah, that's a problem. That, that's a problem. Yeah, that's problematic when you have yeah, that many I mean, goals. And by the way, Deshaun Watson was asked about his coach. He defended him. I mean, you might have doubt, but there's no doubt. I mean, I love that man. I'm going to play hard for that man. And, I mean, y'all can say whatever y'all want to say, you know, through all the media and all the writing. But as long as I'm at quarterback, he's, he's cool with me. You know, he's got my heart. and He's going to get all my 110% every time I step on that field. So y'all can say whatever, but I'm going to always be rooting for that man and, and going to play hard. For Is that like Stockholm Syndrome or something? I just assumed like Deshaun no, didn't like I it. Sean, I think Deshaun Watson is incredibly smart, and he's a really good quarterback. But I, like I said, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or if we talked off air about it. When Bill O'Brien was captured by TMZ going crazy on that fan after the Broncos game in the middle of the season that they ended up losing at halftime, 
and he was dropping F-bombs and just going crazy on the fan who was, you know, 20 to 30 feet above him in the stands. I actually had more respect for Bill O'Brien because he's sticking up for his players. He shows that he's passionate, and players are actually pulling him off to get him into the locker room because he was going crazy. And I think maybe that's where that's coming from when you hear Deshaun say those things. Like, this guy, he's invested in what we're doing. He's clearly 100% all in. Yeah, he doesn't get every play right. Who does? But it's not like something you would hear with the Giants and Pat Shermer or certainly the, the Browns and Freddie Kitchens. They seem to have Bill O'Brien's back. And um, like I said, that clip actually like made me like him more. I, if I were him, I wouldn't have apologized like he had to do a few days later. I actually think that Bill O'Brien, I have a weird feeling. Like I, I don't, It's hard to explain. I think he's a good coach, and I think he's a good – like, I think that his problems extend more to the fact that he has now taken all this power in Houston and that he's running the, the ship and that he's the general, de facto general manager and that his in-game decision making is questionable. But I think in generally speaking, he is a good coach. Like he has won divisional titles with Brock Osweiler, Brian Hoyer. I mean, he, he's done some questionable stuff, but every coach has. I think he's a good coach, but I don't think like he's not the, like, it's frustrating to me. He's like Pete Carroll in the sense that he's like, okay, uh, let's you know mess around and. Pete Carroll and, has two Super Bowl Pete Carroll's appearances. Bill O'Brien's never getting to a Super Bowl. His ceiling is the divisional round of the playoffs. He's like one step up from Marvin Lewis. He's no, no, I know nothing on the road in the divisional rounds. Like, I know. One I know. step up from Marvin Lewis. I know. Yeah, he's stuff. good enough to get your team to the playoffs. He has one more win in the playoffs this year than Marvin Lewis does in his career. Johnny, yeah, and he's also never made it past the divisional round, even though he's won the division four times in the past five years. John, I think uh, Johnny Nashville. That's choking think, in the playoffs. I think Brinson's point is that he's a good coach, but when you put him in such pressure situations, he sort of crumbles. Pete Carroll loves to run which the ball. Is, which is an issue. I mean, I'd say that's a pretty key he issue. Does, he does the same thing with Deshaun that Pete Carroll does with Russell Wilson. Yes, yeah, that is the point. We're not, ta- not comparing their records, and obviously Pete Carroll is much better than that. But Pete Carroll is going to punt on fourth down no matter what. He's never going to go for it on fourth and two. He's going to kick field goals from 55 yards and in. And those things drive Seahawks fans crazy. Yes, he has two Super Bowls. He was great in the national title game and all that. But I think there, he should be doing more than what he has done despite his glowing record. Like on, on on Monday night when people are like people are listening to this on Monday. Tonight on Monday night, you are going to see a team that is predominantly for almost the the course like the last fifteen years in LSU, ever since Nick Saban was there, that has been a run heavy team. And this year they hired Joe Brady, they brought him in, they uncorked an NFL offense with Joe Burrow, and they they broke the traditional mold of what they operate in and just let the quarterback loose. And they're destroying everybody like Bill O'Brien could do that with Deshaun Watson. He has DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Stills and Will Fuller, like cut it loose, man. And the same thing with Ross, like cut it loose. That's what bugs me about Bill O'Brien is that he's way too conservative. So anyway, that's the Texans. They have some issues to deal with. But I think um, if if I were ranking the team's best to worst in the AFC South in terms of position to succeed, in the in the next year and in the future, I would say Texans, Titans, Colts, um, Jaguars. You can, yeah, I'm down with that. I think these two may I have think, different. No, I think it's, it's fair. A, I think it's fine. I mean, I mean, the bottom line is like the Texans have Deshaun Watson under contract, yeah. and the Titans are going to have to pay Derrick Henry, and we don't they 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 can retain Ryan Tannehill on the tag, but like that's not cheap. We also don't know that for as good as Tannehill's played this year and may keep playing, like. A lot of like I would be hard pressed to believe he's going to play at this level for all of next season as well. Right. Deshaun Watson is a top five you 
take him if you're starting a, fr- a franchise quarterback. Right? Might be third behind, or maybe fourth with Russ, Mahomes, and Lamar. Um, I said he might be second. I whispered it. No, wait, who's third? Lamar. Oh boy. I, you, if you wanted to take Deshaun over Lamar, I would be okay with that. Right. If you put Deshaun Watson the Ravens, what would he be doing right now? He'd be sitting at home on the couch with Lamar. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break because this is like 45 minutes in. And when we come back, we will talk about the NFC side of uh, the Sunday games. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, on the other side of the bracket. By the way, I can't. I thought we'd already done both games. I can't believe we're four hours into the second. We still have to cover the second game. I mean, that first game was insane. Also, yeah. normally we're starting right now. Yeah, that's true. This is eleven forty-five. We're recording this, so I mean, like, we're, I mean, we would have bet. I would have bet at two thirty on Saturday night without a sip of alcohol. <laughs> Awful. That's like, I'm not going to make an analogy. Go it's going to be. It was going to be something involving oxygen and normal people. But yeah. oh, make it! I need to hear that one. That's my oxygen. Is Sean's analogy about Brinson's oxygen being alcohol? Was the uh, was the Seahawks Packers game a twenty eight twenty three victory for the Green Bay Packers over Seattle? Um, a pretty surprisingly dominant victory, I would get. I guess you could say was that uh, was that the first normal Seahawks game? Was it Kevin Clark likes to tweet the Seahawks? Would normal? I mean, it felt fairly normal for a Seahawks game. There was no like, there was controversy at the end on the spot. There was a fumble that was questionable in play. Uh, I mean, on a scale of one to ten. 10 being the weirdest Seahawks game you see, what do you give it, Ryan? Yeah, it's like a five. I, I thought if the Seahawks on that next to last, or their very last drive, had been able to convert that, and it started with number 17 dropping the ball to hit him in the middle of the chest. Turner, man, that's a brutal Oh, job. God, dude. Oh, Malik Turner. I was wondering why his name was trending on Twitter. <laughs> that was why his name was trending on Twitter. <laughs> if he uh, catches that ball, I think they go score. That's the thing, because you knew, you had the sense anyway that, okay, they moved the ball there, the ball would have been, been around midfield, they had uh, four minutes, I believe, around to, to, to sort of drive down to make up the five points, and it was going to be a wrap because you see Russ do this every week. 
And what you also see is Brian Schottenheimer run the ball a bunch in the first half. They fall behind, and then Russ has to do what Russ does over the final 40 minutes or so. And you thought maybe, okay, maybe this is the time. They're playing on the road against a high-powered Packers offense. Maybe they'll open things up a little bit. Nah, they didn't do it. And it, it didn't – I mean, obviously the Packers came out pretty strong, and they were leading the halftime. But at no point did this feel like uh, – the Titans, or excuse me, the, the Texans being up, or the other end of that, the Chiefs being up, and there was no way the Seahawks were going to come back. You knew that Seahawks were going to be in the game because of Russ. And if not for uh, Malik uh, Turner there at the end, I, I think you're right, Brenton. They, they had a 65% chance to win that game if he catches the ball at midfield. I thought this was like a vintage, like a classic Seahawks game of, of the season. because It was like a microcosm of their entire season because we talk about all the time how it's always a one-score game, and it's always a one-score game, it feels like, because the Seahawks, for 30 minutes, uh, bumble around trying to establish the run, and they don't open up the offense until they are forced to. And it was 28-10 to 10 Green Bay in the third quarter, and I felt like everyone – as Ryan was kind of alluding to, felt like this was going to be a one-score game at some point and Russ was going to have the ball in his hands. And the reason we felt that way is because the Seahawks were forced to throw and kind of let Russell Wilson just run around and do his Houdini act, which he was able to do very successfully uh, down the stretch. And so it it must be so frustrating for Seahawks fans to watch this offense in the second half. And I, it wasn't pretty because it was a lot of Russ ad-libbing and he was taking some sacks and he was dealing with pressure and just running around making crazy plays. But you think, man, if we could do this type of offense or this type of approach for 60 minutes, our team would be substantially better um, if we weren't masquerading as this run-heavy team that can bully the other team because they're not good enough at doing that. They're at their best when Russell Wilson is dropping back to pass and has space and can either take off and run or hit Tyler Lockett down the field. And they don't do that until the second half of the game. And if they were able to do that for 60 minutes, I think this 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 whole season probably plays out differently for them, not just this game. Let me add quickly, uh, as Sean was talking, Russell's in the MVP race, and he rightly so. Imagine if he were playing for the 49ers or playing for the Chiefs, he would he would blow the doors off Lamar Jackson in terms of the MVP race this year because he would be so um, – they're wasting Russell Wilson, and Seahawks fans tweet that all the time, and it sort of makes you not even want to think about it because of how they approach the game plan each and every week, and it's so run-heavy, it seems like. So not including um, – I was just looking – yeah, I mean, it's – no, it's infuriating. I was looking at – Third downs, not including their kneel down at the end. Um, Backers kneel down. Third down and long, so anything above third and five. Aaron Rodgers in this game, seven of eight for 121 yards, one touchdown and a sack. And the Packers also had two other touchdowns on third and one at the goal line. I mean, if you can't, like, it, it was exactly how the Seahawks beat the uh, the um, Jesus, I'm blacking out. Who the I would like to ask Sean <laughs> as the, no as alcohol. Brinson can't remember anything. As Sean is the captain of the Aaron Rodgers hate brigade, would you like to apologize to all the Aaron Rodgers fans out there for hating on him all season? And then he came through multiple times in the clutch in this game. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought he played well. I'm not going to apologize when he has to face the 49ers in a week, and we'll probably get demolished. And I'm not going to apologize when that when I'm going to come out looking good by the end of this. Real quick, what I was going to add about the Seahawks defense was really bad. I thought, especially with how they tried to cover Devontae Adams, um, they didn't bracket him once until the third quarter. 
or it might have been the fourth quarter. And it was like, and it worked. And it was like, why are you? It's similar to how their offense changes in the in the second half. It's like, why are you waiting this long to bracket Adams uh, when he's the, he he's the only legitimate receiver in Green Bay? And it also says a lot that they're going to beat by Jimmy Graham, who might be the slowest pass catching tight end right now in the league, who doesn't block. And the thing that I thought of during this game, and it's hindsight, and you know, it's hard to criticize these GMs you know, a year or two year after the fact, but how much better would the Seahawks team look if they did not let Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas both walk in free agency? Yeah. I mean, totally different. I mean, it, this is but I think the Seahawks are just disappointing because this, they could be so much more. Like, They're less just, than the sum of their parts. Yeah. I mean, like dude, Clowney played unbelievable in this game and by the way, who did the Seahawks beat last week? Why can't the I Eagles. The Eagles. The Eagles. Sorry. I wasn't trying to troll Diva. But no, the, uh, the Russell Wilson was like, I think it was like five or six on third and ten or longer. I'm sorry. It's been a long two days. Um, on on five or uh, third and ten or longer against the Eagles. Like they lived on third down. They converted these long third downs. And that's what the Packers did against the Seahawks on Sunday night. Like th- this is a game the Seahawks could have won. They were down 14 to three. Um, I guess were they down twenty one to three at halftime or twenty one to three at halftime, right? But it could have been so much closer. They had an opportunity to make you know they they settled for field goal, one field goal and a field goal attempt that Jason Myers missed a fifty yarder. Um, they took a hail mary with ten seconds left on the clock instead of throwing it the sideline, and they botched the clock management. It just feels like this offense for the Seahawks doesn't get going until they get in the oblique mode, and they're forced to just let Russell Wilson do it, like. I would, if I interviewed for that offense coordinator role, I'd be like, "Here's what I'm gonna do: nothing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna get a fake headset. I'm gonna be like Frank in Always Sunny, you know, when he's walking around going pew pew pew, and he like thinks he's shooting things, and he's not. I'm gonna be talking. I'm gonna be high fiving everybody, calling in plays. Russell's not hearing any of it. Russell's just doing whatever the hell Russell wants to do, and we'll win tons of games. Like DK Metcalf felt like a non-factor. Tyler Lockett was stretching the field, but they just wouldn't keep throwing deep. Why were they not threatening the, the Packers deep? That's their weak spot. They felt content to run it with Marshawn Lynch and Travis Homer. It's infuriating. Not not even that. They gave four times as many carries to Marshawn. And, like, look, I love Marshawn. He's one of my favorite players of the last sure. 15 years. Uh, 12 carries for 26 yards. Homer, consistently, since they signed Marshawn, has looked like the better back. And with good reason. Marshawn was not playing football. Like, he was not in nearly as good a game shape. And it just felt like they signed Marshawn, and it was like, oh, we have to give him the ball. And that just – it wasn't working. 12 carries for 26 yards when Russell Wilson is 21-31 for 277 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett got nine of his ten targets for 136 yards. I think it's inexcusable to keep force-feeding the running game. And the other thing that the Seahawks did schematically in the second half, and Pete Carroll mentioned it, Chris Myers talked about it coming out of the break. He said – Pete Carroll says they still want to be able to run the ball. It's like, God dang it. Are you kidding me? He's like, but that may involve Russell Wilson a lot more. It's like, oh, all right, well, that can make sense. They got Russell running, and they were doing whatever they wanted on offense. Why did you – why would you not this, – this is what makes me mad. Like, come into this game with a plan to attack the Packers with read option out of the gate. Just use read option out of the gate with Travis Homer and Russell Wilson. Spring it on them. They're going to be on their heels. You're going to be able to run the ball effectively with Marshawn after that. You're going to give your offensive line a break, and you're going to open up play action deep. And it, it's, it's you just knew what they were going to come in and do. And you knew why didn't I bet the Packers the first half? It's a stone cold lock. The Seahawks stink in the first half. 
They're in total disarray in the first half. And, and Brinson, the, the interview you were talking about was hilarious because literally it was 21 to three at halftime. Buck throws it down to Chris Myers, who is coming out. So the second half hasn't started. And he's like, well, I just talked to Pete Carroll. And he said, we're going to run the ball more. They're down 21 to three, mind you. And he's like, but, and we're not out of it because we're going to get, we're going to cut Russell Wilson loose is what, which could be running or passing. Didn't specify, but it's like, why are you waiting till the second half to cut Russell Wilson loose? That literally makes no sense. Why would Pete Carroll say that out loud? It's like this team is just pulling. Uh, they're like, how can we put ourselves in the biggest bind? How much of a hole can we dig and then try and climb out? And, and you know, some games they dig a hole that's eight feet deep and so they get out of it. In this game, they dug a hole that was like 15 feet deep. There was no way they were getting out of it. And it was just mind boggling that takes them so long to figure, I mean, a perfect example of the Seahawks just being in total disarray for the first half of nearly every game they play in is that they were out of timeouts in the first half at the 10 minute mark of the second quarter. If they would have just saved one of those timeouts, they would have had a shot at a, definitely had a shot at a field goal, maybe at a touchdown on that last drive of the first half where they drove straight down uh, Green Bay's throat. They got down to the 43 yard line for the Packers. And then they just ran out of time because Russell threw that Hail Mary. If they would have had 30 seconds on the clock or 40 seconds instead of 10, you have two or three plays. Uh, so it was just like everything that team does is crazy. Can I real quick? We're focusing a lot on the Seahawks mistakes in the second half. They bungled this end of the game really too. Uh, first off, they have a fourth and 11, which I get low percentage. At their own 36-yard line, down by five with 241 left in the game. I feel like you have to go for that because I think you there's no guarantee you're going to get the ball back. And you can still, if you don't get it, you can still force a stop and they kick a field goal and field you're goal. still going to get another shot at the game. Uh, they would not, they did not get the ball back. And if you look at the defensive mistakes they make, um, I think, Brinson, you're the one saying the – so Aaron Rodgers converts two third down and longs on that drive. The first one was a deep pass – um, with Devontae Adams lined up in the slot one-on-one. Uh, you just can't let – again, you got to make Rodgers go somewhere else and beat you elsewhere. You can't let Adams get a free release and beat you over the top. Like, that's just a gimme. He's been burning they, you all game long. They got burnt. The two, the two really bad ones, I mean, they put they, – they stopped Aaron Jones for two yards, called timeout. And Green Bay calls a timeout. Rodgers, you get Rod- – Clowney gets pressure on him. He throws an incomplete pass. That's enormous. Like He, just he should have you- taken the sack, to be honest. Yeah, he just lets you back in the game. And then, like, this is where if you're going to punt, you need to realize that, like – and then if Aaron Rodgers throws that ball away, when they put Devontae Adams in the slot, like, call timeout and be like, okay, they're going to Adams in the slot. Like, double-team this mofo. It, it, was, it, was, it was inexplicable. And so then there's a second third down and nine – that Jimmy Graham, that the spot was controversial. At the replay, I was fine with the spot. And I think it might have been short, but I don't think you can overturn it. But they're, I believe, and you'd have to go back and look at the replay. On 39, they're playing like a single high safety who's like 15 yards downfield. It's like, what are you guarding downfield? If Aaron Rodgers wants to take a 25-yard sh- shot downfield, let him do it. It doesn't matter if you give up 25 yards. You just can't give up the nine yards. So they're they're basically defending the play with one fewer defender than they should already have out there on the field. So... It was just they made a lot of mistakes in the first half, but in the last two minutes and 30 seconds, there was a comedy of errors, both in terms of coaching decision making on offense and defensive alignments. By the way, um, Sean mentioned that he didn't mind the spot on the Jimmy Graham. 
played. Did either of you have any issues with it? I thought it was terrible. Here's the thing. I thought it was terrible, too, but if you look, and I think Andrew Brandt tweeted this out. Yeah. Apparently, it, the, the yellow line obviously isn't official. If you look at it, it looks to be a little bit ahead of the, the yard marker, so maybe they got it right. Yeah, I mean, here's my thing. is like, what do, what do we – what do we do? I mean, why is this how we're measuring first downs when we're like, yeah, we have a $14 billion business. You know, what my grandmother and, used to say, and I say now we can put a man on the moon, but we can't figure <laughs> out where the ball is spotted on the field. I mean, your grandmother was a, a wise lady and for, for sure. I mean, she's not, she's just not wrong. By the way, here's Pete Carroll uh, telling us about the spot via CBS Sports HQ. Did you have any different look or were you from the grand third down catch or were you just hoping against hope there? Oh, no, my guys just were telling me he's short, you know, it looks short. And, and had they called him short, then it would have been short, you know. Another, I mean, you know, it's the same thing last week. You called him a score, you let him score. They wouldn't overturn that one. I'm going back to the, the Niners game, I guess. Um, that's how it goes. Here's the thing. I, I'm okay with that if that's what the NFL wants to do. If the NFL wants to say, listen, we're going to make calls on the field and then we're going to use replay to overturn them only in cases where it's egregious or like we're like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to lean. I would, if the NFL would tell us what it's doing, that would be fine. If it wants to, if it wants to hold whatever's on the field and say like, listen, we're going to err to the side of what's on the field, then tell us that. And that's fine. But if you want to, if you're going to go to replay and then have him trot back out, is it Cleet Blakeman? Have him come back out and be like, uh, additional replay. And it was like, oh my God, they were about to shiv the Packers on this additional replay. He's like, has confirmed that the call stands. Like, well, there's very, it's very too much for me, wizard, wizard of oddsy. You know what I mean? Like it, it feel, or wizards, uh, the, not wizard of odds. <laughs> wizard of Oz. Wizard of Ozzy, thank you. I'm I'm losing my mind here. Um, uh, I don't think I said this on the show yesterday. You, God, it's the opposite of Costanza. Yeah, that's right. right. You are the opposite of Costanza. You have, uh, according to Costanza, had sex, and now you're a moron. <laughs> yeah, I would I would murder somebody for that brown glass of brown liquor that Sean has in his mouth. Uh, Sean, are you old enough to drink? Don't. Yeah, tell I mean, like, but doesn't it feel like like get, they need to open the curtain? Because it feels like what happens is, why can't you put cameras? Like, why can't you put cameras everywhere? What's the holdup? What, like, what why not have transparency, Brent? Are you saying be transparent about the review process? What, what they're looking at? Yes. Like, I also, I also want to note that there was a Packers touchdown that you literally just could not tell if Aaron Jones got into the end zone, and it was one of those plays. I think it was third down too, where if they rule him short and it was really close. They're, they're, they're not, not going to overturn it either way. And I'm not saying he was in or not. I And I don't even blame the officials on the sideline to be able to see because they're looking down the sideline how many feet away, and there's so many bodies in between them. And it's absurd that that's, that's who we're tasked with deciding if the nose of the football touches the goal line. And, and you're watching the play, and, like, the back judge, who cannot see the football at all, comes running and he's like, Yep. Yeah, yeah. How the hell would you know, bro? Like you can't. You all you can see is Aaron Jones' back, and I, I agree. I thought he was short, and that I mean, like that. And then the other case where like Jadavian Clowney is called for of it. They, they threw the flag. Think it was a face mask. Then they reviewed the video. They're like, oh crap, it's not a face mask. Uh, can we get him on like uh, open appendage of the in the opening of the helmet? They're like, yeah, let's get him for that. And that that resulted in a Packers touchdown instead of third and eight too. Like the officials are affecting. I, I know we bitch about this all the time. It doesn't feel like 
it, it's never felt like it's been this bad before. Am I, am I crazy? Brenton, are we reaching pro wrestling levels of officiating? Or are we going to see like one official get knocked out and then somebody get in the end zone and be like, oh, that's a touchdown? Sometimes it feels that way, Breach. Sometimes it feels that way. I do think, and I can't believe I'm the one saying this. Oh, We've been spending so much time talking about the Seahawks and the and the officiating. Like we should give the Packers some credit. And I thought uh, their their defense for so much of the season, I think we've been saying like should be better because they're so they have so many individual players who are playing well. But for whatever reasons, the whole defense wasn't playing well. I thought their defensive line played particularly well, especially in the first half. And even when Russell Wilson was running around doing his thing, which he was able to do, they were at least able to make. Russell like burn a lot of clock like there were there it didn't feel like there were a lot of quick Seahawks scoring drives because they were at least pressuring him uh, and a lot of times I felt like Russ was taking these like three yard loss sacks because he just couldn't find anyone open and didn't throw it away so I, I do want to give credit to the Packers defense because I thought they actually played really well especially in the second half with Russ running around and trying to do his thing and agree. don't forget there was also that the the fumble that the Packers the first quarter was it sure. where that probably should have gone the Packers way. So it's, I feel like at least the officiating calls, both teams got hosed by at least one bad one. Uh, if you want to say the Seahawks got hosed on that, the, the Graham spot at the end of the game, that fumble, it did feel like the Seahawks did fumble it. I know there wasn't a quote unquote clear recovery, uh, but it did seem like the Packers probably came over with the ball there. And that would have been a huge swing if Green Bay had taken over there. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, there's just too many cases where the officials are problematic. All right, the the Packers won the, and look, they, they could have blown them. I mean, they were probably the better team on this day based on what the Seahawks did. I I don't have a problem with the result. Uh, sort of wish the Seahawks had gotten that two point conversion for the spread. You know, what are you gonna do? Um, it's cool. I took the Seahawks live. The um, Packers are going to San Francisco rematch of that that game Monday night. Week, I think it's week 10. Just off the top of my head, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong or just affirm me. But um, that was a bloodbath by the Packers, by the, of the Packers, by the 49ers. The 49ers are minus seven, and the over under is 44 and a half, maybe 45. Any thoughts on that game, Ryan? Do we see a repeat of said bloodbath? Well, uh, Three Amigos already talked about it. Why don't you start and then we'll Week pop. 12, by the way. Thanks, you start and we'll follow because we uh, you were on the YouTube show. Uh, I would I think I would take this the 49ers as fast as possible here. Um, the line is shaded a little bit towards uh, the the Packers in terms of being plus money. It's like minus 115, indicating that like the market sort of wants to go to plus six and a half. I don't think that'll happen. I, if you can get the if you can get the 49ers if you can buy it to six and a half, I would absolutely do that. Uh, I think the 49ers are going to steamroll them. When you look at what the Packers did well in this game, again, they converted third and longs, which are not typically sustainable. Um, they ran the ball okay. Their defense wasn't challenged deep at all. Um, they, I don't think they have anybody that can match up with George Kittle. I don't think they have anybody that can slow down the, the 49ers' run game. I don't think they have anybody. I don't think their offensive line played particularly well against just Jadavion Clowney and put it forward, and I think that the 49ers will get after them like crazy. And then maybe most importantly, again, they lived off these third downs. You are not going to live off third downs when you have Richard Sherman on the field. 
That's a, it's funny you mentioned Richard Sherman because I was just looking at PFF for um, the mock draft that comes out on Tuesday morning. Richard Sherman has the highest grade among all cornerbacks, um, and he's, what, 32 years old now? And we heard his comments last night on, on the podcast about how um, he felt disrespected and, and understandably so in some, some degree. He's ahead of Marcus Peters. He's ahead of Steph Gilmore. Uh, he's ahead of everybody, and he ain't afraid. We know that as well. He had the interception. Um, yes, it was a terrible throw by Kirk Cousins and or Adam Thielen not running the, the route completely, but whatever. He was there. He made the play, and that ain't going to change when he faces Aaron Rodgers. In fact, Aaron Rodgers has a history of throwing not throwing to Richard. Ahead, yeah, he, he virtually like ignored him on that primetime game where I don't think there was a single pass around his way. This is the one thing I'll say, though, is that there is a little bit of a disadvantage in how the Seahawks do the same thing the 49ers do, which is they stick their corners on one side of the field um, and they don't move them across for matchups. Sherman is going to be on that left side of the 49ers defense, right side for Aaron Rodgers. So you would think the Packers can probably at least move Devontae Adams into the slot and onto the left side of the field which is exactly what they did, by the way, against the Seahawks. They went to the left, and they put him in the slot to avoid the matchup on the on the right side of the field. So I think we're going to see them do that. Uh, I mean, that said, I think what Breach and Wilson, we, we all took the 49ers to cover, right, on the YouTube show? Yeah. Let me ask you this. How does this, <laughs> how does this lose? How does this lose? Um, if you take the 49ers, because these things are designed to lose, so – I'm just curious what you guys think. You take the 49ers and the four, and the Chiefs. You either do a six point teaser. I would do six. I think it's six and a half is what you want to do. You do a six and a half point teaser, and you get it down to Chiefs minus one, 49ers minus a half a point. Oh well, here's the thing, and I mentioned this on the YouTube show. Of all the quarterbacks, which one has the best chance to go from being mediocre to throwing for 400 yards and five touchdowns? Uh, to go from being, who's gonna go nuke it? Rogers. Rogers. Is that yeah. a trick question? Because I can see Ryan Tannehill doing that. I, I thought you. I was like, I can see Garoppolo yeah. doing it. To be honest, too. You can I, see Garoppolo <laughs> doing that. I feel like Aaron Rodgers is the guy that, if he went off, everyone would be like, oh yeah, there it is. We we just missed it. Yeah, maybe I guess. But that's the only way I feel like you lose that parlay. I just or, don't. Sorry, it's a teaser. Yeah, I mean like. You do a, yeah, I mean, you do a seven point teaser and you gotta lay some juice on it, but it's the Chiefs minus a half and the 49ers is a pick em. It feels pretty good to me. Um, maybe I should avoid the teaser and listen to Marshawn Lynch to take care of my chicken. Now, I done been on the other side of a retirement and it's good when you get over there and you can do what the f you want to. So, I tell y'all right now while y'all in it, take care of y'all bread. So when y'all done, you go ahead and take care of yourself. So while y'all at it right now, take care of y'all bodies. You know what I mean? Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mentals. Cause look, we ain't lasting that long. Um, you know, I had a couple of players that I played with that, you know what I mean? They no longer here no more. They no longer. So I mean, you feel me? Start taking care of y'all mentals, y'all bodies and y'all chicken for when y'all, you know, ready to walk away. You walk away. And you'll be able to do what you want to do. But I appreciate it. Thank y'all. I, I love that man so much. He ain't wrong. I mean, that's actually that's something that people should probably listen to. I'll be honest. Like, the chicken part is to understand. And knowing me, I Googled, take care of your chicken. What does it mean? And it literally is a Wikipedia. Here's how you take care of chickens in the backyard. 
But the other part, yeah, no, that's right. Uh, save your money. That's that's a lesson, and that's that's take true. Take care of your mentals, take care of your body, and take care of your chicken. Amen, brother. Yeah. Preach. Um. What? Uh, still winner and loser from Sunday's games. I feel like Brenton, your autobiography should be called "Take Care of Your Chicken." <laughs> take care of your chicken soup for the soul. Protect your chicken by Will Brinson. It's like who, who's buying who's buying Brinson's autobiography? Brinson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, winners, losers. Brinson, you can go first since you missed out on the YouTube show. <laughs> How many times is Ryan gonna mess? <laughs> well, I need a second. You go ahead. Okay. Um, oh, you know what? You're right. I'll go first. Winners: Jimmy Johnson, Bill Cower. Nice, good call. Got in the Hall of Fame. Debo fed it to me. Debo's the best. I know he did. Um, Debo, feed me some. Well, we had talked about incorporating, so it made sense. Anyway, Bill uh, Bill Cower, Coach Cower, NC State alum. Shout out to Coach Cower. Has a house here in Raleigh. Um, Jimmy Johnson, Mercy, Arkansas, um, Pine Bluff. Maybe not. Anyway, both found out they were getting in the Hall of Fame. A little awkward because Bill Cowher found out on Saturday during the, during the CBS halftime show. And if you're Jimmy Johnson, you're like, I better find out on Sunday. Like, he you seem legitimately socked on Sunday, though, right? Yeah, I mean, they did it. It was really cool. They did it during the halftime show for both guys. David Baker, the president of the Hall of, Pro Football Hall of Fame, came out and um, and let the guys know in front of literally millions of people their families were waiting for him there usually they do it at a hotel room it's part of the centennial class sort of an amnesty class to kind of clean out a bunch of guys who might have been left behind um it's shocking when you look at the the coaches who are not in the hall of fame like tom flores mike shanahan tom coughlin um jimmy johnson just to name four uh coaches who have multiple super bowls but are not in the hall of fame like that's kind of crazy i mean if you win two super bowls what are we? What are we waiting for? Like, well, ask Eli Manning, because <laughs> he nah, as a coach, as a coach. No, that's fair enough. Uh, can I add a loser to the conversation we're having here sure. to the Hall of Fame inductees? Jerry Jones, because oh. mm. Jerry Jones didn't even put Jimmy Johnson into the Cowboys Ring of Honor. How can you be in the Hall of Fame and not be in the Cowboys Ring of Honor unless you have a grudge against the man who got you all those Super Bowls? What's your winner uh, then? No, I was just doing the loser to follow uh. up from. From Brenton's uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was just sort of using that as a winner. To, well, who, who you got as a winner? Sean. Overall, oh, go ahead, Sean. My winner are the San Francisco 49ers who get to play play the Green Bay Packers instead of the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks actually would have given them a lot more fits just because of Russell Wilson. Look, I mean, Ryan shaking his head. They played them twice this year, and both of those games came down to the wire. Um, they played the Packers once this year, and it, it was like one of the worst games of Rodgers' career. Um, so I think the 49ers wanted the Packers to win. Um, I don't think they wanted to see Russell Wilson. Princeton, we can hear you texting. Um, <laughs> my... My loser is Carlos Hyde, who was traded in the offseason from uh, – ah, I, I messed up my winner. I had a better winner. Bummer. I'm going to throw in one more winner. That's uh, a loser. I'm going to throw – Carlos Hyde is my loser because he was traded from the Chiefs to the Texans, mm-hmm. um, and his season ended against the Chiefs. And on that note, my winner is Terrell Suggs, who uh, when he was cut by the Cardinals – there's a report that he only wanted to play for the Ravens and would refuse to play for everyone else because he wanted to go win the Super Bowl. Um, it's probably a good thing for him that the Chiefs stepped in and claimed him um, because now he has, actually has a chance to go win a ring. 
I'll do my winner quickly, and then John can wrap up because he's he's our cleanup hitter today. Uh, the big winner for me is Andy Reid. He's back into the championship game. Um, like I said, he didn't seem unnerved when they were down twenty four nothing, and uh, I feel like he's going to be ready to go. Patrick Mahomes be ready to go, and I feel like Andy Reid's going to go to the Super Bowl for the first time since two thousand the two thousand three season. Is that right? Yeah, just his second Super Bowl appearance. All right, let's do it, Andrew. Hey, Debo. Right. Yeah. Will you be happy? Are you rooting for Andy Reid to get a Super Bowl? Absolutely. I've wanted that. After the Eagles got theirs, the next on the list is Andy Reid, and I think all Eagles fans share that same sentiment. Would, if it were, if hypothetically it were Eagles versus Chiefs, would you be okay with losing? No. I think that's a silly <laughs> question, but anybody else? Okay, okay. <laughs> yes. I actually, um, you know what? I think I asked, um, on this podcast like a year ago, I think I asked Brian Dawkins that, and he almost like threatened to kill me. He's like, are you nuts? He's like, that's the stupidest thing anybody's ever asked me. I was like, oh, okay. I thought you were kind of might be rooting for Andy Reid. All right. My bad. I already subtweeted you today about Andy Reid, so I, I let that stupid question go. You let what? I said I already subtweeted you about Andy Reid today, so I let that question go. Subtweeted me? Subtweet me? He, he did. You responded to the tweet. You no promise you tweet so much you forget about what Debo's subtweeting you about. And he can't drink, so he's like super dumb. Brinson didn't even <laughs> remember we did an emergency podcast about the new Browns coach on Sunday. How would he remember subtweeting someone? <laughs> Brinson was blaming Andy Reid for people who don't know for putting Tyreek Hill back to return a punt, and Debo pointed out that Tyreek Hill. Has oh done yeah, this yeah, yeah, that was a, a zillion times, and like you don't blame I mean, Andy Reid for Tyreek Hill dropping a punt. How many punts has he returned? How many punts has he returned this year, Debo? This was the do you forget how to, Do you forget how to return punts in one season? <laughs> It's I don't know. Pretty, I feel like it's a it's skill you kind of ridiculous re- to swap out your punt returner in the middle. I mean, like clearly he did forget because he fumbled it, and he almost fumbled the next one too. The, the last I think one. We call maybe. that a Debo dunk. All right, Johnny. Uh, my biggest winners are me, Sean, and Wilson yes. because we all picked the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs are still alive, and our preseason prognostication is going to pay off. We are wizards. Of odds or odds, <laughs> whichever like one Brinson likes. Uh, well, sorry, Brinson. I bet on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl before the playoff, before Week 16. So oh, I congrats, hope you're. Congrats, Mister Captain Obvious. Um, what do you mean? You picked the Chiefs the to season. win the Super Bowl in Week 16. Wow. Before, before Week before Week 17, before the, when they were going to be the three seed, I bet them on. I, I was telling everybody on the podcast that they were good value at seven to one. I'm, I'm just doing. I'm just doing the thing you do, where you no, I was us for making obvious predictions. It's not an obvious prediction. They were going to be the three seed. Sean, I will say that's a smart bet, but you do not move up into our my winners category echelon. I want to be in your winners. I hope, I, I hope you win, so I win. And my by the way, I drove I drove Brenton to the book in the Lamar Jackson bandwagon mobile. That you guys were making fun of me of. So you can make this Chiefs are a good bet. All right, go ahead. Sorry, John. My other winner is me again for going four <laughs> and zero, oh, four and zero oh straight up with my divisional round picks. I think I'm the only person alive in the media who got all his picks right this week. Straight up or against the spread? Straight up. He only does what straight you, up. <laughs> at, what it, were you against the spread? No one else did. No one else did. I think local, three. local area man picks two nine point favorites to continue to move on. <laughs> Actually, John John is the John is literally the only person on Pick Watch that got four that went four to the only person. I stand alone. 
Uh, and then, so then my loser is anyone who doesn't live in Nashville because Johnny Nashville is going to go out in Nashville this week and rock up the town because I'll probably have to pick the Titans. No, my loser is Russell Wilson uh, because he is stuck playing with a coaching staff that doesn't appreciate him. And I don't know if they're ever going to get back to the Super Bowl until they either get an offensive coordinator because you can't get rid of Pete Carroll, but you can get an offensive coordinator that knows what to do with him. I don't know if they ever will. Russell Wilson should end his career if he had a competent coaching staff with, uh, I don't know, three, four Super Bowl rings. But now it's going to be maybe two because he already has one. So I'm somehow – I don't know how this happened. I um, I guess – they got to adjust these point spreads for the crying out loud. So I'm going to be two and two, which means I'm three and five. I'll take that there. Uh, Prisco four and zero oh against the spread. Ooh, uh, this week. My uh, my best my best bet on the podcast from Friday over two touchdowns for Patrick Mahomes. That Good lord! Why would that? Over? Why is he over under two? Yeah, it was. A, <laughs> that's what it was. It was over under one and a half minus two hundred. So you had to lay two hundred to win a hundred, but. Oh, okay. Gotcha. By the way, can we mention real quick, we didn't do it during the Chiefs section. The Chiefs scored so many points that the stadium ran out of fireworks to shoot off after every touchdown. And they put a video, they put a message up on the video board saying they ran out of fireworks. Did everybody do a loser and winner? You could be, your loser could be the fireworks. I did two winners and one loser. Okay. I wasn't really listening. Brinson without alcohol. Just uh, my loser My loser is the month of January. You suck, January. Get out of here. Uh, by winner, one more winner. Is me again, because when you listen to this podcast, I will be celebrating my birthday, because my birthday is Monday, January 13th. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the happy birthday wishes earlier on the podcast. <laughs> Didn't get them. Uh, How old are you? Oh, God. It's happy birthday right now, Breach. Happy birthday, Breach. I am old enough to vote, drink, and have babies. That's all that combined. matters. And that. And what? I said combined. All three of those things combined. That's how old he is. How old are you, Breach? V- vote, drink, you, and have babies. Are eight now? I was going to guess 38. I am. When are you going to start dyeing your hair? I mean your beard. Oh, you're already get, dying your hair. I'm getting some Well, Princeton, Princeton, you can recommend your hair guy to him. <laughs> I don't dye anything. It's all natural. Although, I mean, i got to tell you. like, it uh, might... We don't know what you do in your eight vacations. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, is there anything else we need to cover before we get out of here? Time to wrap, Diva? Yeah, if we don't wrap it up, I'll probably name myself the winner of something else, so we probably should. All right. Uh, we'll be back again. Bunch of shows. There'll be stuff. We'll talk about things. <laughs> Take that chicken, kids. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus.